0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Tonight we're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. This is his dispensation. You know, all three of the Godhead are involved in our redemption. God the Father planned it. Jesus worked it. And the Holy Ghost makes it a reality in people's lives. Aren't you glad that the Spirit of God hovered over your life one day and brought conviction to you of sin, righteousness and judgment? Anybody glad for that? I remember as a young person just having this conviction upon me, but I didn't know what to do with it. It was probably years before I really understood what it was. It was conviction, but it was the Holy Spirit who Jesus said would come and convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Those three things. And thank God, I'm glad that he never gave up on me. Because a few times I kind of rejected that, had no idea what was going on. You know, you could be in church and not be saved. Did you know that? You could sit in a chicken coop and not be a chicken. For 25 years, if you like, right? You can sit in the garage and not be a car either. Right? I sat in church for 24 years. I wasn't saved. I wasn't born again. But I was in church. You know, going to church and you're not saved kind of makes you wonder, why were you even doing it? You know, when I got saved, I'll be honest with you. When I was in church and not saved, I hated it. When I got saved, you couldn't keep me out of church. See the difference? You got on the inside. When it's on the inside, praise God, you're going to want it. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together. We study it in the precious name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds that are open to it. Anoint my lips to clay to proclaim truth with power and demonstration. And make them as a pen of a ready writer to proclaim truth, dear Father God, to all that hear. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. And we'll be certain to give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts. This is our fourth lesson. Uh, we've been talking about the fact that there are nine gifts of the spirit The spirit worlds, a real world. You know that. And there are nine manifestations of the spirit that we have to be familiar with. And really, God wants us to operate in. And those three, uh, those nine gifts are manifested in three different groups. Uh, we talked about the revelation gifts, which are the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. And there's also the power gifts. The power gifts are special faith gifts of healing and working in miracles, And then you've got the vocal gifts. The vocal gifts are prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So those nine gifts are gifts of the Spirit for the church today to uh, to walk in and to experience. Well, the word of knowledge we talked about deals with the past and the present, where there is a divine revelation given to somebody in a word form. Not the whole thing, but a word, a word of knowledge. That's what it's talking about, a word of knowledge. It could be just one word. It could be a couple of words, but it's not the whole sentence. It's not the whole picture. It's not the whole plan. It just may be a word. Once I was told the word bitterness, and that bitterness, that word bitterness resulted in someone having a creative miracle in their life when they did something about the bitterness. Another situation: there was a woman that was uh, had a back situation, and she was healed just through a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom is about the future. It predicts or it tells you something about the future that will take place. And saying, God, I can't think of a better gift than that when you know what's going to happen before it happens. When Jehoshaphat was facing three armies that were coming to wipe them off the planet, he was told exactly where to go the next day where the enemy would be, where they could set up an ambush for them and overcome. And so that's good to know that, isn't it? In other cases, there was, for example, there's going to be a drought for the next two years that was revealed so they could prepare for that. And so there are reasons for these manifestations of the Spirit. God gives them to us for a specific reason. Tonight we're going to talk about what is called the discerning of spirits. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. We'll read that. For To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the work of... King of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits. Now notice the wording discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues. So here we have these nine gifts revealed to us. But when it comes to the discerning of spirits, it seems like as though that many think that we're talking about discernment. That's not what that gift is. It's called discerning of spirits. That's the name of the gift. So discernment, you could say maybe that is something that someone possesses, maybe a ability, let's say, to perceive something about a person's character or something like that. You've heard people say that they're very discerning about things. And that's fine. That's wonderful. But all these gifts are supernatural. Not natural, but supernatural. Where God, by his spirit, gives a revelation of something. And we'll get to that and what it is in a moment. So it's not natural discernment. And also, it's not the power to discover the faults of another person. You know, don't, you don't want to pray, God, give me this gift so I can find out everybody else's faults. I don't think you'd want to do that. Look the, I'll tell you why. I look at Luke's Gospel in chapter 6. This is from the Message Bible. I read that, and it'll really do a number on you. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face. Did you notice that? And sometimes if I leave a little something over there when I'm taking a bite to eat something, Andrew will say, are you saving that for later? (laughs) He's a character. It's easier to find out someone else's smudge on their face, right? And be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Wow, pretty graphic. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Oh, does that hurt? Ouch. Think about that statement. Really, if that really was a gift for people think they would have, you turn that gift on yourself one time, look in the mirror And you'll find out so many faults that are there, you probably would never want to use it again on anybody else, is what he's really saying. It's so easy to get caught up in pride and and that sort of thing and think that, oh, I do everything right. It's everybody else who's wrong. Well, this gift is not discernment. Okay. It's also not ESP. It's not mental penetration. It's not spiritual mind reading. It's not suspicion. It's not being keenly perceptive or contacting even spirits of the dead. It's not anything like that. But once again, people get involved in these things. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. It's not necromancy. Necromancy is um, the practice of uh, communicating with spirits of the dead. And that's not what we're supposed to do. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 18. When thou art come into the land which the Lord your God gives you, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God uh, doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations, which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. Uh, But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. So necromancy is uh, conjuring up the spirits of those that have departed. And this is so important because you see television shows like Psychics that are on. You go down the highway, you see card reading and, you know, all that sort of thing. You know, all that stuff is demonic. All that stuff is being involved in witchcraft, sorcery, and all those things that the Bible clearly states that we should not ever be a part of anything like that. Someone I know once said, but, but you don't understand, they told me exactly uh, what I needed to know and, that, and this, that, and the other thing. But you know what? You know where they're getting their information from? Familiar spirits. Not the Holy Spirit, not the right spirit. And that can happen because there are spirits that are familiar with other people. The spirit world is a real world that's out there. It's a real realm Okay, And so it's important we understand the nature of it and understand how we are to invoke the presence of the living God, not a wrong spirit. So the practice is an abomination to the Lord, and it exposes a person to a familiar spirit, and you don't want to get involved in a familiar spirit. I'll tell you what, there are those that just don't want to give it up. Do you remember the story of the book of Acts where the apostle Paul has this woman following her who was really making profit for her people that followed her through soothsaying. And she kept on saying, you know, these are the men of God. They're showing us the way of salvation. She did this for days. And finally, Paul got probably a revelation. It could have been discerning of spirits where he saw a spirit that was behind what she was doing or actually saw the spirit. He rebuked the spirit. The spirit left. And guess what? She couldn't do it anymore. And when she couldn't do it anymore, they were upset with her because they lost you know, their ability let's say, to succeed. That's where they were getting their information from. So is it legitimate? Yeah, you could look beyond this world at that spiritual realm as well. But you know what? I guarantee you, he's baiting you. going to destroy you with it. That's what it's all about. That's the game he plays. I remember um, John G. Lake. Have you ever studied under John G. Lake, anyone? John G. Lake was just a, an amazing uh, apostle of faith. And I remember reading after him, and he was talking about, well, let me back up first for a minute. He was someone who was very intelligent, very involved in uh, all kinds of practices as far as medical practices. He was, he was also involved in uh, law. He was involved in different things. But he also liked putting together, um, let's see, uh, sometimes what he would do was. Go to his friends that he knew in the, in the medical field and say, I want you to hook me up. I want you to hook my brain up. to Take some, run some tests about my brain function, how it works. He did all that just to come up with um, ideas as to how God, when he takes over a person's life by his spirit, manifests himself in a powerful way through a person's life. And so he did all these different testings and all that. Well, one day he was probably in some city somewhere, just driving down the road, and he saw tarot card reading. And so the explorer that he was, he said, this is wonderful. So he stops, gets out, and he walks in, walks up to the person, and just says, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, foul spirit, behind this activity. The person said, you can't do that, you can't stop me from doing what I'm doing. He said, try it now. Spirit was gone. And she was at a loss. There is a real activity of evil spirits out there. And sometimes we don't recognize that and realize that. And what happens is they gain control over people's lives. But he knew it was a spirit of divination behind all that activity. And some things that were being said were true. But you know what? When a person dies... The Bible does not say that they have; a, they're allowed to leave where they're at. If you're in hell, you're in hell. If you're in heaven, you're in heaven. Anything other than that, you got a familiar spirit that you're dealing with. Someone says, "But I, you know, had this conjured up." No, stay away from that. You don't want any part of that. What it really is is a supernatural insight into the realm of spirits. Notice this: the, the discerning of spirits. To discern really means to look into. or or see or hear in that realm. Notice see or hear in that realm. That's what it really is. It's not just perception, but it's actually seeing in that realm of spirits. And we'll give you a lot of examples here in just a moment. But it deals with an entire class of spirit beings. It could be good spirits, evil spirits. It could be the spirit of Christ. It could be the similitude of God. It could be angels, angelic spirits. It could be demonic spirits. Human spirits and so on. But it's actually entering into that realm where you can actually see beyond this world. It's almost as if God just removes the veil, takes the curtain away, and you can see into that realm of the spirit. Discerning of spirits, Seeing and hearing in the spirit realm. And that is a gift of the spirit And really, it it has a function in the body of Christ and a powerful function and a good function. So it's more than just even getting a revelation of, well, there's a demonic spirit that's involved in this situation. You may have a word of knowledge that tells you that, but it goes beyond that. It actually shows it to you. You can actually see it. In one of the books that I have in my studies, uh, this one individual actually painted a picture of a woman who was a teacher who was demon-possessed as the Spirit of God opened up his eyes to see that, and you should, you should see what some of these things look like. It's just beyond your comprehension. Um, when we get to the demonic influences and all that, there's, there's uh, some things that you might shy away from, you don't want to be a part of, if God were to show you something like that. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Some biblical examples include, look at the book of Exodus, chapter 33. And this is something that Moses desired so much Moses speaking to God said, Thou canst, or God says to Moses, Thou canst see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, then I will put thee in the cliff to the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see. Notice the word see, see my back parts. But my face shall not be seen. Why? You see his face, you're going to die. But notice he said, you can see my back parts. So Moses was privileged to be able to see the similitude of God, to see his back parts, because he took him into that realm of the spirit. That's called discerning of spirits, looking beyond this realm into that realm of spirits. And that was his longing desire, and and God honored it. Look at Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, what it says. You, You should be familiar with this verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Notice he said, I saw. So once again, this is not discernment, but discerning to see into this realm. You get a vision of it. God, for example, takes you up like he did and you can see before the throne. Now, he couldn't look into his face. Obviously, he would die. Or whatever he did to prevent that from happening, God would do. But he actually saw him high and lifted up and full of glory. Can you imagine if that was ever answered in your life? If you had that longing desire to be to that place where you can actually see him on his throne, high and lifted up and watch these angels. He also, if you read the rest of it, Angels were there. He saw the activity of these angels crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You want to talk about dealing with someone's character and attitude and that sort of thing, and and whether it's right living, wrong living, living and everything? Let him have a visit there at the throne for a while. Let Let him watch those angels bowing before the throne and see the holiness of God. I'll tell you what, it'll absolutely change a person's life. Then look at Luke's I'm sorry, Matthew's gospel, chapter 17. Here we have another example of what is called the discerning of spirits. It's not discernment, knowing about somebody's character. After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brings them up into the high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment white was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if thou wilt. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias or Elijah. While he had spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. So notice in this section of Scripture, what we have is what is called the transfiguration. He sees these individuals. Now, this was a special manifestation of the discerning of spirits that God allowed to happen or willed by his spirit. To impact their lives. Would that impact your life? If you saw Jesus, Moses, and Elijah like that, would that impact your life? Would that make you think just for a moment? Absolutely. But once again, this is an activity of the work of the Spirit of Almighty God. When, as he wills, will open up a person's eyes to the spiritual realm that you can see and that you can hear. And he saw and he heard. And so that is another manifestation of this gift. Look in Luke's gospel, chapter one, we have another revelation of it or another example of it. And there appeared unto him, this is Zacharias, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, notice he saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not Zacharias, For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Well, that's what he saw. He saw he was ministering in the temple like he should, and he saw what? An angel. This was Gabriel the angel who gives him a message. He heard the message. He told him exactly what's going to happen. Your wife is going to have a child. All these years we've heard your prayer, and now you know what? You're going to have a son, but his name's going to be John. Well, you know the story. What does Zacharias do? Imagine that. In that setting, in that atmosphere, right there in the temple, and he sees the angel, he goes, how can this be? She's old. I'm old. Basically, he was full of doubt and unbelief, even though he was in that office of, the, of priest. And so what happens? Gabriel says, <laughs> he got his dander up a little bit. I came from the presence of the Most High God to deliver you a message. Now, because you don't believe... You'll be struck dumb and you won't be able to speak until it come to pass. We don't need you interfering with the work of God. My paraphrase. Can you imagine that? Wow. See, sometimes we pray for our loved ones to come to Christ or come back to the Lord or whatever. What we should be praying for is that there would be a godly reverential fear imparted to their innermost being. And if that means an angel appears to them to achieve that, then so be it. So, we see this happening, and of course, he blows it. But look at this next one. This one, in John, Luke 1, 26. let's start with that. We have the same angel. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into, unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou art... Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And cast her in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. They're seeing and hearing. She sees the angel. She hears the angel. And you know the story, the rest of that story is, unlike Zechariah, she said, well, then be it unto me according to the word of God. So we see people have different responses when it comes to situations like this. But once again, this is discerning of spirits. She saw an angel. She heard the angel. So She was ushered to that realm of the spirit and has resulted in something really powerful. John chapter 20. Look at this one. Begin at verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping as as she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting. The one at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and really knew not that it was Jesus. But the point is, here's dialogue that's taking place. Here we got, again, a a woman seeing two angels, talking to the angels, the angels talking to her, and then she sees Jesus, and that story goes on as well. So you're getting a picture painted of this gift. The discerning of spirits is God opening up our spiritual eyes so that we could see beyond the natural world into the realm of the spirits and identify angels, angelic beings, and even demonic spirits as well. Look at another one in Acts chapter 1. Here we have the same thing happening. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, and with why stand ye gazing up in heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, if those words are true, and they have to be because they're spoken by these angelic beings, as they watched him ascend on high to the throne is the way he's coming back for us, his people, and then to set up his kingdom here upon the earth in his second coming. But notice they just saw this. They saw it happening. What a sight to behold. We think we know something here on this earth. You talk about that kind of travel. You know what Andrew constantly says to me? Hey Dad, I know, how about this one? This is really good. I know you're getting older, but don't don't be concerned about dying because when you die, you're going to go straight to heaven to be a second. I said thanks, son. Appreciate that. He said it's like that, that fast. I know. i It's happened. I know. Uh, okay. All right, Drew. Appreciate that very much. Revelation chapter one. I'm, I have these verses here because these just absolutely. Fire me up when I read this. Okay, so let's look at these verses in Revelation chapter 1. I went to the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it into the seven churches, which are in Asia unto Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and to Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and being turned... I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His hand was, and his hairs were like wool. As white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like in fine brass, as if burned, they burned in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth, one a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth, in his strength, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Hallelujah. Can you imagine just minding your own business, walking down the street? And you hear a voice behind you. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. I was dead. I'm alive forevermore. I've got the keys. Glory to God. Wow. Stepping out of this realm. You're stepping into that realm. And that's what we see. John caught up and saw all these things in Revelation. I love Revelation chapter 5. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I saw on the right hand of him a book written within on the backside. Sealed with seven seals. And I heard a strong angel with a loud voice saying, Who's worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof? Nobody in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth was found worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And so I went much. But one of the elders said to me, Wait not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed to take the book and loose the seals of and I beheld in the midst of the throne was the Lamb as he had been slain, having seven eyes, seven horns, which are the seven spirits that God set forth in all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he took the book, the beast, the, uh, the, the elders fell down before the Lamb, having seven horns, having, golden vials, full of voters, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive blessing and honor and glory and power. And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the number was in 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory and blessing every creature in heaven and earth beneath the earth such as are in the sea heard I saying. He was hearing in the spiritual world such as in the sea Anybody that died, lost their life, such as in the sea, heaven, earth, beneath the earth, in the sea, worthy is the Lamb to receive blessing and honor and glory and power. Wow. That's what this gift is all about. That you step out of this realm into that realm, and God gives you a glimpse of heaven. A glimpse of the spiritual world. All that was taking place, and he witnessed it. He saw all that. Pretty powerful, wouldn't you say? But what about us? Let's get down to brass tacks. What about us? Well, Pastor Goodwin, who pastored the First Assembly of God Church in uh, Glidewater, Texas, he had a situation where the church that he was pastoring was the Assembly of God Church, but um, it was tough sledding, if you know what I mean. You're preaching, but it seems like it's just not going anywhere, not penetrating anyone, Just doesn't seem to be effective like it needs to be. And so he was waiting on the Lord and in the parsonage across the street, and he was just waiting on the Lord. And one day he looked out over to the church, and God opened up his eyes. He saw this gorilla-like demon in the rafters of the church that was hovering over the church. You know, these spirits want to manifest themselves in people's lives. They want to also. Destroy the work of God. He said, so I just walked on over. I looked up and I saw him up there in the rapids of the church. He said, I come down. He didn't want to come down in the name of Jesus. He came down, started to whimper in front of him. He said, I knew better than to, you know, contend with him. He said, because remember about Moses just the Lord rebuked thee. I'm not going to contend with you. I'm just telling you, come down. He said, in the name of Jesus, off the property. He didn't want to. Whimpering. Like a little puppy dog that really wants something. He's just whimpering a little bit. Acting like sheepish. He said, out of the church. Out. Get out. So he starts to walk out. He follows him out. And he sees a, like a, a lounge somewhere down the street. He says, now get out of here. And don't ever come back in here. As he walked away. He said, he turned around and looked at me, and he was no longer sheepish. He said, fangs came out, and this horrible look on his face was seen, thinking that he was going to frighten him and, you know, kind of back off. He said, out in the name of Jesus and never return. I guess he went down to the lounge and got robbed, and one said that it burned down or whatever, you know, too many demons, I guess. I don't know, but that was the effect of it. Then there's another situation where, see, that was a... Well, after that, let me me back up. After that, preaching in the church was wonderful, and there was a great revival that took place as a result of that. So you see, that spirit was manifesting itself in that manner, holding that church down, keeping that church from going forward in God. Now we have Brother Hagin was talking about, this was actually a relative of his, and this person had lung cancer. And, he prayed for her, I think, at different times. But at one point, he was open. His eyes were open to the spiritual realm. He said, and I saw this evil spirit clinging to the left side of her body over the left lung. And this person was just dying as a result of the cancer. He said, I rebuked it, commanded to leave the body. It left. And when that spirit left, she was completely healed. So there's another use of this gift, discerning of spirits. And in some cases, they have to be discerned or seen in that spiritual realm um, unless a person would use their faith like like they can. And there was another one where, you know, you pray for somebody. He prayed for somebody here, let's say in a healing line, and the person had terrible migraine headaches that he had constantly. So he prayed for him just like he would anybody else and went on down the line, And then as he turned around to look this way to go back over, he said, I saw him sitting in the pew. And while I was sitting in the pew, I saw a monkey-like demon with his arms wrapped around his head, squeezing him. He said that I knew exactly what to do. I looked over it and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave his body now. He left. The guy just jumped out of his pew, man, and just said, I'm free. Now, this guy didn't see it, but Brother Hagin saw it when he saw that demon wrapped around his head. Person was delivered, set free, no more headaches. See, there was an evil spirit that was enforcing that in that person's life. The spiritual world is a real world. We need to understand that. And you know what? The enemy has done his best to do what? To keep churches like Pentecostal, charismatic churches down. Why? Because he doesn't want us to to do warfare with him. He wants to have his own way with people in people's lives. In some cases, people aren't going to even get saved unless a demon spirit is dealt with in their life. Now, personally, I had some experiences along this line. Um, I've shared with you many times. I saw my angel driving down Route 11. Uh, I probably saw my angels in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when uh, some people stole my my equipment. And I asked the angels to, I commissioned them to go forth and bring them back. And they brought them back. Knocked on my door. Didn't even know who the person was. And could be entertaining uh, angels unawares. But then also, in this one time, it was really, really something, because, wow. It's one thing to hear others. It's another thing to have them yourself. You know, and I just was coming home from a Bible study up in Youngstown and stopped someone who was on the street that was hurt. And we took some time to nurse him back to hell. God picked him up, wiped the blood off of his head, took him to his house, which was close by. Gave him the gospel message after we... Got him cleaned up. Another brother of the Lord stopped with me and, you know, shared the gospel with him. Prayed a sinner's prayer with him. And it took about 45 minutes. And, and then my son was with his mother in the car and he was only young. He was young, maybe a year, year and a half. I don't know exactly how old he was. I don't remember the time. But he started burning up in fever while I was in there with this guy. When I came out and said, look, listen, look at him. He's just suddenly is burning up with fever. And so um, I said, okay, well, let's get home. We, just were, we were downtown Midland, just went down the hill, went to our parsonage, went up to the bedroom, and uh, put him in his crib, took the other one, put her where she needed to be. And then I turned to walk back. I started walking back into that room, that bedroom. And it was as if I walked into a brick wall when I got halfway in. I mean, it hit me, and I stopped. It was like in a heartbeat. And at that point, immediately, I knew what to do. You know, that's the thing about spiritual things. Sometimes they're hard to describe. I knew exactly what to do. It's like when you leave this realm, you go to that realm. You are known as you are known, you will know things instantly, automatically, just like that. And I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, you've shown the love toward that person. I'm showing you my love for you. I looked over at my son who was burning up with fever, breathing really hard. And I said, come out of him in the name of Jesus Christ. I was never going to pray that way. I was just going to walk over, lay hands on him and thank God for his healing. I said, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment I said that, a black bird-like figure flew off the top of his head, out the window. And he stopped breathing heavily. Instantly. The fever left instantly. That's called a spirit of infirmity. Remember the lady that had a spirit of infirmity about over 18 years, rheumatoid arthritis, and she couldn't anywise lift up herself? There was a spirit of infirmity behind that. Now, not all sickness, not all disease has a spirit in manifesting itself in a person's body. But in that case, it was, in his case, it was and that's in the other guy with the migraine headache it was also with the lung cancer it was you know so this is a real spiritual world some people are bound by many different things but the thing behind it the force behind it is a spirit manifesting itself as best it can in a person's life so it's important we understand these things because if we don't then we're limiting ourselves and what God can do in our lives i want to close this by giving you the purpose of the gift the re- the gift of the discerning of spirits is to reveal the spirit, not just behind the operation, but also to demonstrate it. Now let's look at Acts 27. Well, Acts 12 first, then 27. Acts 12 verses 7 through 10. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, "Arise up quickly!" And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, "Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals." And so he did, and he cast or he, he saith unto to him, cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel. But thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate, which leadeth up to the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Now, come on. You talk about an escort to escort you out of prison. How about this? How about just the fact that he was concerned about him putting on your cloak? Put your coat on. And just stay warm. Let's get out of here. So the angel goes and brings him out of prison, talking to him, telling him what to do. And then the massive gate just opens on its own. That's called deliverance. The purpose of the gift. Deliverance. And look at this one. Chapter 27. And this is Paul on the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Notice the, the information that he gives. The angel stood by me and told me, Paul, you're going to live, you're not going to die, and they're all going to live too. They've got to stay in the boat, and they'll live also. But there, here's a discerning of spirits. He sees the angel. The angel tells him, You can bank on what the angel said. So once again, there's revelation that's given, and he's delivered, and his life is spared. And then in Joshua chapter 5, and this is 13 to 16, here we have encouragement. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord. Hallelujah. Am I now come? Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. How about are you facing something difficult like he was facing right now to go into Jericho and take over the city? And the captain of the host of the army of the living God pays you a visit and says, don't be concerned about this. Be encouraged. You're not going alone. You're not at this alone. And finally, Acts chapter 10. We have also guidance and direction. We can receive guidance this way. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a saturn of the band called the Italian band. I played an Italian (laughs) band once. It wasn't like this, but it was an Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God. Notice the the, uh, qualifications. A devout man, number one, he feared God, number two, with all of his house, and gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him. And saying unto him, Cornelius, and he looked up, he looked on him, he was afraid, and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up before a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon. He's giving him direction. Whose surname is Peter, who he lodges with Simon of Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his servants, or two of his household servants, and a devout soldier, of them and that, that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa to do what he was told to do. So we have direction. So we have this manifestation of the spirit that we can expect to happen in our lives. And and again, just I just want to close with this. When I first came here 43 years, almost 43 years ago, in downtown Midland, some young boy was probably in his, 12 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old, maybe early teen, something like that. His mother said, I'm going to take sure the pastor's parsonage is where he's staying. And he said, I think it's that one right over there, Mom. He said, Why do you say that? He said, Because I see those angels, those first four angels are just hovering over the house. Can you imagine that? Now, he just a young boy, sees this. And then, even people that are non believers can have that happen. There were those in, this, in downtown in the city that actually complained. People complain. They call the church and complain. How, How come your pastor has to have those two big bodyguards when he walks downtown? They said, What are you talking about? They're big bodyguards, and one's on one side, one's on the other side. Our pastor doesn't have bodyguards. No. They were their eyes were open to see the spirit world and they saw them. You know, we're living in the last of the last days. We're going to have more manifestations like this than ever before. Let's stand together before the Lord.